Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Bad on Paper Podcast. I'm Becca Freeman. And I'm Olivia Mentor. I'm coming to you live from Boston. Olivia's in her kitchen. I am. And it's another... (laughs) My single light above my head. (laughs) And it's another edition of Three Things, which has kind of become one of my favorite episodes to record every month. Yeah, it's definitely the most fun. Olivia, I have some things for you. I also have some things. Unfortunately, I asked before we started recording if she had a game for me, and she doesn't, but I'll live. (laughs) No game. It's okay. It's okay. Next time. Before we get into it, though, let's do some highs and lows. Tell me your high. My high is that I finally bought a little table for our backyard. I've been like putting off buying any outdoor furniture because I'm like a Facebook marketplace fiend now. It's like how I spend all my time. So I'm determined to get things secondhand. But I finally just gave in and bought this little patio set from Lowe's. And it has been so nice just to sit outside and drink my coffee in the morning or work. Um, turns out it's really helpful to uh, have a table when writing or typing. So, you don't say. Uh, it's been it's been great. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Your lap just doesn't work the same way, although it does allow mm. me to get into that C shape that we talk about so much. The hunching, the Quasimodo yes. of it all. Yes. Unfortunately, I um, am in Boston and I'm in a hotel And I'm sitting at the desk right now, and right next to the desk is a mirror. So I have a front (laughs) row seat to my terrible posture this week. And every time I look over, I terrify myself. Yeah, mirrors are just not our friends sometimes. But is it helping you sit up straighter? No, I don't know if you can tell right now, but I'm like in my most C-shaped seat. I'm just not looking. (laughs) I support you either way. Whatever's comfortable, you know. I also saw that you had a new development in your yard that you have cherries. Yes, we have a cherry tree, which like I knew we had a cherry tree because there was blossoms. And I was like, oh, cherry blossoms. And then for some reason, the connection that there would then be cherries one day did not did not compute in my brain. But they're there. It's weird. Like it feels it feels like a trick because they look kind of fake. So I'm like, do we eat these? I don't know. This is how Eve felt, definitely. I have no idea, but I'm excited. I love your continuous discoveries in the garden of what's there. Thanks. We were doing some work in the garden. I found something. It's like an old piece of something. I can't figure out what it is, but I've been waiting for treasures to appear in the ground. So anyway, we'll report back. Maybe it's a skeleton from a dead body, and now you're going to solve a mystery. I can't confirm it's not a bone. I would know, okay. I think, if it was a dead body. Okay. Just suggesting. <laughs> What's your high? Um, okay. So my high is that I'm in Boston. I'm I'm on a eight-day trip here. I was originally going to come up last weekend because we had tickets to go see Tina Fey and Amy Poehler do this, this stand-up show. Um, and I was just going to come for the weekend. But then it's one of my best friend's birthdays uh, this coming weekend. And so I decided to stay. I hemmed and hawed about it a little bit. It's expensive because, you know, eight days, I don't have any friends with guest rooms here. So, you know, usually when I come for a long weekend, I'll sleep on someone's couch and, you know, it's fine. But for eight days, I didn't want to do that. It's also an imposition to my friends. And so I got a hotel and I was like, oh, it's so expensive because it's just me for eight days. And I was like, oh, is this a good use of money? And um, I finally talked myself into it. And I'm so happy I came because I I went to college in Boston and I lived here for two and a half years after. And I haven't been here for any 
long stretch of time, like any significant time since I left. And so it's been so nice to have a full week here and to get to do some more exploring and to, you know, just not have it feel crammed. It's been so fun. Yeah, that's a great amount of time because you can see everyone. You don't feel rushed. You can take some time for yourself or like just to have no plans. Mm-hmm. So it sounds lovely. It sounds perfect. Yeah, it's been great. I Getting ahead of myself, I'm already saying, I was like, oh, next summer, maybe I should come for a month and get an Airbnb for a whole month to hang out here. Because I mean, you know, three of my very best friends in the world live here. So it's nice to be able to spend time with them in less of a, it's your birthday and I'm coming way, but like, you know, more of a casual way. So yeah, it's been really nice. That is nice. That's a great idea. What about on the low front? What's what's getting you down? Um, I see. I have I have a sickness, which is oh. that I am. <laughs> it's one of the things I hate most about myself. I am obsessed with checking the weather before vacations when people visit. Like I can't stop checking it if I know it might be bad. And so Jake's parents are coming to visit this weekend. It's the first time we've had people here. Obviously, their first time in the Hudson Valley, I think. Their first time seeing our house. And of course, everything just is better when it's sunny. Unfortunately, it does seem it is going to rain pretty much the entire time they're here. No. I know I can't fix it or control it, but that somehow makes me obsessed that much more. I just check all the time. It's like a compulsive. Anyway, I should probably, you know, find a new therapist and talk about this. But anyway, I'm just bummed out because I wanted it to be really nice. But hopefully we'll have at least one nice day out of the four. I totally get what you mean. I, I feel like my standards are so much higher when I'm hosting than I have when I'm a guest. Like I'm like, I need to entertain yeah. these people 24-7 and everything <laughs> needs to be perfect, which of course is never my ex- my expectation when I'm a guest. Never mind that somebody can control the weather, but I totally feel the same way. Exactly. Exactly. Like I never care. If it's me, I'm just like, oh, I'll just sit on the couch and watch TV. It doesn't matter. And I know Jake's parents are like that too, but I'm just like, I want it to be perfect. I got it. Anyway, what's your low? I don't think I have one. I think I'm I think I'm generally pretty high right now. Oh, love to hear it. Yeah, yeah. Um, maybe let's take a quick ad break and then we'll come back with some things. One of the things I look forward to most after working all day is changing into what I like to call my soft clothes, if you will. These are not a fancy outfit, not quite workout gear either, not pajamas, but something somewhere in between it all. And some people would probably just refer to this as loungewear, but soft clothes works too, I think. My current favorite pair of pants to throw on after work right now are Cozy Earth's joggers, which are the softest, most breathable pair of sweatpants I own. And they never, ever look too wrinkled or too much like pajamas, which I love. Do you know what? I didn't bring my Cozy Earth loungewear set to Boston, and I'm kicking myself. I'm, I am fully kicking myself. This outfit has become my go-to plain outfit, but it's also become my go-to errands but still cute outfit. Like, I love the combo of comfy and cute. The fabric is great. It's really breathable. It has enough stretch that it, it maintains its shape. It doesn't get all baggy and kind of frumpy after a couple of hours of wearing it like it does with other lounge sets. Like, I just, I love the look of them. Me too. And I feel like with some sweatpants, you can really just like look at them and know they're sweatpants. These, I feel like you could actually style in a way that you could like wear 
pretty much anywhere, which is always nice. I've also tried and really loved Cozy Earth's bedding, which is kind of what they're known for. And if you're constantly in search of sheets that are going to keep you feeling really cool all night, I think these are a great option. They're made from viscose from bamboo, and Oprah described them as the softest ever, which, you know, a ringing endorsement from Oprah herself. They also have a great warranty and a 100-night return policy. I trust Oprah to know comfort and linen quality, just as a rule. Oh, me too. Without a doubt. So if you want to try Cozy Earth's bedding or loungewear, we have great news. Cozy Earth provided an exclusive offer for our listeners. You can take 35% off site-wide at CozyEarth.com when you use the code BOP. Again, that's CozyEarth.com with code BOP for 35% off. I have been meaning to tell you. I want to use this code. They have lounge shorts and t-shirts. I like. I feel like I need to try them based on how much I love the sweatpants. So I will report lounge back. Lounge shorts? Yeah. That sounds incredible. I know. I agree. Not for a plane, but for my life. <laughs> Let's get into this. I realized that we forgot to give the preview at the top of the episode. So do you want to tell me your things and I'll do the same? Sure. The thing preview, if you will. Okay, yeah. I don't have a game, but do you want to hear the the fun thing first, the deep one or the more somewhat serious one? I'm leaving it up to you. Okay. So the first thing I've been seeing everywhere that I think is really interesting to talk to you about, Becca, is this thing that's happening with Elizabeth Gilbert's new book. Oh, yes. Yeah. And how she has now postponed the release because it is set in Russia. Anyway, I think there's a lot to discuss there, and I would love to talk about it with you. Yes, that's very interesting. What else have you brought? The second thing is, oh, it's kind of a game. I have two thought-provoking questions about life for you, and I'm going to ask them to you, and you can choose which one you want to answer. Okay. And the third thing is I want to know your ultimate choice if you were going to the Eras concert Uh for the surprise song you want to hear. Okay songs it can be plural great what are your things so i brought lighter things it's summer we're on summer vacation like i just i brought all lighter things so the first thing is i want to know if you have a celebrity doppelganger (laughs) the second thing is i want to talk about an upcoming lobster roll cook-off i'm participating in and i'd like thoughts oh i am intrigued by this yes Yes. And then the third thing is I feel like we're in an era of TV series finales. So I wanted to see if you had any thoughts on the succession season finale. And I can't remember if you watched Ted Lasso or not. I didn't watch this season. Okay. I watched the first two. Wow. (laughs) I lost interest. I don't know. That's been happening to me a lot lately, but I'd still like to hear your thoughts about it. Okay. You start off. Give the backgrounder on the Liz Gilbert thing. Yeah, so most people pro- here probably know Elizabeth Gilbert. She wrote Eat, Pray, Love and Big Magic. I think her last book came out maybe in 2020. It was City of Girls. Is that right? Yeah. 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 Anyway, so she recently, I think just this past week, announced her newest book, which was set to be released February 2024. So this is set in the 1950s, and it's based on a real family who lived completely off-grid in Siberia, in Russia, as a way to rebel against the Soviet government. She announced this book and immediately got a lot of criticism for writing a book set in Russia, given the Russian invasion of Ukraine and Putin and all of those things. So even though it's set in a totally different time period, 
people thought it was insensitive and then bombarded the Goodreads page for the book with one-star reviews and all of this criticism. And ultimately, Liz Gilbert, I guess, digested all of that and decided to what seems like permanently postpone the release of this book. I've just been seeing a lot of discussion about what is okay to write about and what isn't, whether she should have given in to these reviews from people who hadn't even read the book, what's right, what's wrong. I've never really heard of something quite like this before. So I was just curious to hear your thoughts, Becca. Personally, I'm what I feel like with this whole situation is like I've read a few different articles about it, but I keep feeling like I'm missing something because in my mind, it's not as if she's endorsing Russia currently, right? Like, I mean, I just don't know where the line is then. Do you never write books based in places that are have current horrible regimes? Or I don't I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. It just it seems like I am missing some big piece of it because it wouldn't strike me as insensitive initially, I guess. But I'm also not Ukrainian. So I would be open to hearing from people from Ukraine about their perspective. But I don't know. How do you feel? Well, I think the way I understand it is the the critique is giving Russia PR or giving Russia the spotlight in any way is the problem. And on the one hand, that kind of makes sense. But then there's there's kind of two other factors to me. So the first one is I don't think this this book, and I haven't read it because it's not available yet, but I, I, based on the description, it doesn't have a pro-Russia bent. So my understanding of it is right. that it's people who are trying to resist the industrialization of modern Russia and and like our anti-Russian government. So it's not as if it's a pro-Russia book. It just happens to take place there. And so in that way, you know, it doesn't seem as though she's glorifying Russia in a way that I would I would personally have a problem with seeing. Again, I don't live in the Ukraine. I'm not Ukrainian, so I I may be missing the nuance of some of this. The second thing that I think is so hard is that the way publishing timelines work. So I just Googled it and um, Russia invaded Ukraine in February of 2022. I would bet every cent of my money that this book was started well before February of 2022. I think if you want to try to back into it just as a ballpark production for a book, meaning like the part once the author is fully finished with everything about the book, usually is like six to 12 months. So that means she probably finished the very final draft. Let's say the book's going to come out February 2024. So she probably finished the very, very final draft, like maybe sometime in the first half of this year. So, I mean, Ellen Hildebrand has written two books a year at points, but like, I don't think Liz Gilbert's books are are very literary outside of Eat, Pray, Love. Like, I don't think this thing came together in a year. Like, this to me sounds like something she was probably working on for years. And so the other thing is like, if you take Liz Gilbert out of it, because it's like, what do we owe Liz Gilbert who is, I mean, I love Liz Gilbert. This is not a critique against her, but like she is very commercially successful. I do not know her financial situation, but I have to imagine she has made a lot of money from the success of Eat, Pray, Love and then the subsequent success of uh, Big Magic and City of Girls to a lesser extent. And so it's like, does Liz Gilbert need the money? No. But for another author, it's like, you're basically taking away their commercial livelihood based on 
a situation that they they couldn't have and shouldn't have been able to predict because they're not diplomats or government employees, like they're they're writers. So I don't know. Like right. I guess it's a whole different conversation because it's Liz Gilbert, who we assume is okay financially. But like if this were Joe Schmo, the debut author who had buckets of student loan debt, it's like that feels so different to me, you know? Yeah. And it feels like an uneven rule to be like, we can do this to Liz Gilbert, but we can't do this to Joe Schmo, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I I feel the same way. I feel the same way. I mean, aren't there like, I don't know if this is even a good comparison, but aren't there like hundreds of books released every year set in like Nazi Germany? It's it's not as if anyone is saying that's an endorsement of that version of the country. I, I, I don't know. I, I just... It confused me a bit, I guess. Well, I saw when this was happening over the past couple of days that it, it doesn't seem like her her publisher had made a comment, at least in the New York Times article that I read, only she was commenting. So it seems like this was like deeply her own decision versus something she was like forced to do. Yeah. And maybe that's incorrect, but that's that's kind of what I would guess what happened. So, you know, I guess I want to say, I guess, good on her for recognizing that she doesn't need the money and just saying, like, I'll just step out of this. But, you know, like, should she have been forced to in the first place? Because, you know, if it, it would, I feel like it would be really different if her publisher was forcing her to do this against her will versus it sounds like this is a decision she made herself. Right. Yeah, that's true. I, I saw she was getting some criticism for making the decision. Oh, like, I don't know. As well as like, I saw a tweet from Rebecca Mackay that was like very much supporting her. It didn't mention her by name, but it was like, so I'm sorry, writers can't write about. That's what I saw. Yeah. Any country that might have a geopolitical issue in the next five years in case it boils over and during the course of like writing or editing their book. Yeah, that's that's kind of my my thought about it all. <laughs> and. Yeah, I just I don't know. I don't know. I do. I do have. I think I do have a problem with people like bombarding anything with like one star reviews, you know? Well, people who haven't read the book either. Exactly. I do think the timing of it being released like two years, like in the same month that Russia invaded Ukraine is obviously not not great. But I mean, if you don't know the content of the book, you have no idea what the themes or the messaging is going to be and you literally only know the setting and like I don't really think it was going to be some sort of a promotion for like yeah move to Siberia or it's so great that, you know like I I just I didn't really interpret it that way from the description of the book but I read an article about it and the last line was something like anyone who's ever looked on a Goodreads review page will like understand why she made the decision. And I think what it was saying is it is so overwhelming. I'm like sure it was to doomed see before even hundreds and hundreds and exactly. And it's like suffocating. almost. Yeah. And I've been looking for arguments for why it is inappropriate to be setting anything in Russia at this point. But I just I don't know if I really see them. And and of course, I'm completely pro, pro-Ukraine and, and anti-Russia. Um, I don't think that needs to be said by either of us. But yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting. And it, I think there is a big element of like, who can we pile on to like that? Like, I think there is something where it's like, she has enough money, so we can feel free to do this. But it's like, what are the ethics of it? Right. I also saw something like she's kind of 
a lightning rod for criticism. Like she's just a little bit different. <laughs> like, yeah. And that didn't help. I feel like Eat, Pray, Love was very polarizing. And some people really looked down their nose at it. And some people were like, this is life changing. And I think, you know, it hasn't polarizing. And then I know at the beginning of uh, kind of in, I don't know when specifically it was, if it was in like June of 2020 or around there, I know she caught some flack because she had a book club and maybe it was about that she hadn't had enough diverse books. And so now she switched it that she only reads books by black women in in her book club. So I don't know, like maybe she's very sensitive to criticism. Yeah, I I would have to assume so. And wants to like be above, above reproach. Which look, like that is something that like she has enough money and like she can make that decision. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. And maybe she saw an argument that I didn't see from someone from Ukraine that really yeah. hit home. And and uh, yeah, but anyway, I'll put some of these articles in the show notes if anyone's interested in reading more. Yeah. On a lighter note, do you have yes. a celebrity doppelganger? OK, so there was a phase in college where I was very skinny <laughs> and I curled my hair all the time and I got Taylor Swift a lot. Oh, really? Oh, that's not Um, what I was going to say. I was going to say I could kind of picture you looking a little bit like before she went off the rails in Gossip Girl, Jenny, uh, (laughs) Jenny Humphrey. Oh, that's nice. Like when you were younger, she was very young in that show. Do you know which one I've gotten like four times that I love so much but I don't really see is the woman that plays Shiv on Succession. Oh, I don't see that. I don't either, but I just love it. And I cherish it every time someone says it because I think she's really pretty. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's really the only ones I've I've ever gotten. What is there? You? Wait, is there any celebrity that like as a teen, especially that you like wanted to be compared to that you were like, I kind of look like that person. Oh, Taylor Swift. Oh, it was Taylor oh, Swift. Swift. Like, <laughs> actually, this is OK. So my little cousin, Robert, he's well, he's not little anymore. He's like 19. But he told me at this, the family reunion we had a couple weeks ago that when he was younger, he thought that I was Taylor Swift because like Hannah Montana was big then. Oh, and he thought I was like secretly Taylor. I used to curl my hair a lot. Everyone before you're like, I don't see it at all. Like it was mostly blonde hair and red lipstick Um, anyway. And tallness, I guess. But Anyway, I was like, Robert, I've never loved you more than in this moment. This is going to just keep my ego going for the rest of my life. Thank you. So I think, yeah. I mean, as a teenager, I basically just wanted to look like anyone other than myself. So <laughs> so any celebrity would have been fine. <laughs> what about you? So when I was a teen, I very much wanted people to say that I looked like Katie Holmes. This was like peak Dawson's Creek. Oh, I don't think I do. I could kind of I could kind of see it though. I mean, you have kind of similar features. I mean, nobody has ever said that and I don't think it's true. So the reason <laughs> I brought up this question is because I've never had a good celebrity doppelganger. I can tell you the two that I've been told that I I don't think are great, but like you be the judge. But then recently, she'd come up on my TikTok before, but she came up again. There is this creator, I think we look exactly alike. She's skinnier than me, but like Who? we look, look exactly alike. Okay, so her name is Deanna Giulietti. G-I-U-L-L-E-T-T-I, I think. Oh, I know who she is. Oh, yeah. I can kind of see it. You can only kind of see it? I mean, I think we look like we must be related in some way. In every picture, she's like so expressive. Um, yeah, the, the when she's smiling with her mouth closed, yeah, I can definitely see it. I'm like, I think it's uncanny. And it's very bizarro to me. 
I can see it. I mean, you're both very pretty. Oh, thank you. That wasn't what I was fishing for, but it's just she came up on my TikTok. I'd forgotten about her and I was like, holy shit, it's me. It's skinnier, younger, singing me. Do you know who I got recently that I really do see a lot? What? Um, Do you know Lucy Dacus from Boy Genius? No, but I can look her up. She has brown hair, but there's something about her faces that are similar, I think. Oh, I don't really see it. I mean, I'm just looking at the oh, first really? three photos that come up on, on Google, but I don't see it. There's something about, like, the shape of her face that, or something about her face that just I can kind of see. Well, do you want to hear the other two that I've heard before that I... Yes. And I'll, I'm curious to hear what you think. So the first one, don't prejudge this. My friend Nicole claims to be exceptional at celebrity doppelgangers. And for a long time, I stumped her. She couldn't figure out who I was. And then... She said that she thinks I look like Maya Rudolph, and obviously I am not half black. <laughs> However, I can kind of see it. Pull up a picture of Maya Rudolph. Okay. Um. <laughs> <laughs> not. I don't. I. I see m- much more the creator. Oh, of course, than... the TikTok creator. I think we're like cousins. Okay, th- this is so weird. I just pulled up this photo and look what she's wearing. <laughs> Stop it. She just pulled up a photo of Maya it's Rudolph a- and we're wearing the exact same thing. I was looking at it and I was like, wow, maybe Becca should get a bob and like wear pink lipstick. And then I was like, wait. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so maybe you don't think Maya Rudolph. I can kind of see it. There's something in our like eye shape and like features that are a little similar. I, I can kind of see it. I can kind of see it. Not as much as the other person you named, but... Yeah. The other one, one person in 2018, I've held this real close to my heart. One person in 2018 responded to like an Instagram. I think I was like sweaty and lying on the floor after a workout. And she was like, has anyone ever told you you look like Brie Larson? And I was like, no, but tell me that like every day for the rest of my life. So I don't think that I look like Brie Larson, but I was deeply flattered. I see something kind of in the eyes. The sh- yeah, I I can kind of see that. No, I can't, but I'm... Wow, she looks absolutely nothing like her IMDb p- picture. I feel like she's like a shapeshifter. She looks different every time I see her. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. It's We should just go around comp- like saying people look like celebrities. Because honestly, I remember every single time someone has said I look like any celebrity, like regardless of how attractive I, f- I think they are or not, like I-, I remember it forever. And as you said, I hold it close to my heart. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really curious. It's such an ego boost. I mean, I'd love to hear in the Facebook group what celebrities other people look like, but I'd love to hear if anyone thinks we look like celebrities. Oh, me too. Oh, wait. Have I told you about Jake's celebrity doppelganger? Is it one of the Property Brothers? <laughs> God, how dare you? No. I'm just trying um, to think of who guy. he looks like. It's this guy from Hallmark. His name is Ryan Pavey. Google him. Okay. Ryan, spell the normal way, and then Pavey, P-A-E-V-E-Y. To the point where I... Oh, he is like Latino Jake. <laughs> really? Yeah, he... Is he Latino? Yeah, I think so. so. They look... I, I literally was watching a Hallmark movie, and he was in it, and I was like, holy shit, Jake, it's you. And to the no, point No, he's older. I shared a... He's older. But I shared a photo of it on Instagram and someone commented and said, oh, that's Ryan Pavey. And he commented and said, that's not me. It's just so everyone knows it's not me because we were like hugging in the photo anyway. Yeah, I I can see it. But then also he gets Dan. What's his name from Schitt's Creek a lot? (laughs) Oh, no. 
I can't see that. Dan Le- Levy? Lovey? Dan Levy has such spe- such specific eyebrows that I don't think you can be compared to him if you don't have those eyebrows. It's a good point. But anyway, yes, please shower us with celebrity lookalikes in the, uh, in the Facebook group. Yeah. Don't hurt our feelings. This is why you, this is why you you grow a following so that people can tell you you look like Katie Holmes. You're like people tell me I look like Katie Holmes because I told them to tell me that. <laughs> oh. Okay, what was your next one? What is your deep life question? Okay, so I found this list of fifty or something thought provoking questions from the cut, and they are they start out really normal and then they get really really bizarre. But so where in the, the list are these? These are fairly normal. Oh, okay. I didn't know if you were like, I took the weirdest ones. Your choice. I'll add the third I'll add the third one in because I can't stop thinking okay. about it. Which is a weird one. Okay, so the ones I chose are what is the lie you tell yourself most often? And then the other one is if there was a way to download your memories into a searchable spreadsheet, would you do it? And then the third one was <laughs> what if Aliens are real, and we discover that they're really hot. Okay. You've so really the, got, you've really got some. Do options. I answer all of them? I just pick one. You can pick one. Okay. I mean, I'll answer two of them. Okay. Number two, would I download my memories and search them in a spreadsheet? Like, I would fucking love that. Really? I would love that. Okay. What's the first thing you would do? What would you search? I don't know. Like, I'd love to. I don't know. I'd probably, like, search, like, some, like, summer camp kid memories. Like, things that I feel like are a little hazy. Like, I I really like nostalgia. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm feeling very nostalgic this week being in Boston. I was saying we were walking down Newbury Street yesterday, and I was like, oh, and that used to be that, and that used to be that. And, like, I I enjoy nostalgia. Yeah, me too. In a way that I think think that would be delightful. And also, like, as a writer, I'm like, oh, that would be useful as hell. That's true. Would you be afraid, though, that, like, things were different than you had remembered them? No, because... Like, once you saw them, like, entirely? No, because I feel confident that there's, like, enough happy along with any sad that even if something wasn't exactly how I remembered it, I wouldn't be like, my life is a lie. Yeah, no, I would I would feel good about that. Okay, good choice. And uh, I'd also like to take a crack at what if we found out aliens were hot? Yeah. And I think I have, well, I guess I have a follow-up question. Like, are they friendly or are they like trying to eat or kill us? Because if they're friendly, they're like, we're here to learn. What about Twilight? (laughs) Have we learned anything? Does it matter if they're going to maybe kill us if they're hot enough? I guess so. But like, let's say they're not, they're not here to start a war. Right. They're here to learn and observe and they're mm-hmm. hot. You know, I think like it would take me a six month period to adjust to the idea. And then I think I'd be all in. <laughs> six months. Yeah. Three to six months, three to six months, not okay. long, not a full year. Yeah. No, certainly just not. to adjust to the idea. You know, I would just need until there were uh, like the, what are the fan edits on TikTok of the hot aliens? Oh, okay. Like, That's all it, you would need. If you put... You'd be ahead of the curve. What's that song that's in Magic Mike? It's about cowboys. Pony? Pony. If you put, like, a hot alien montage with Pony playing over... Like, (laughs) just... If it's edited just so, I... (laughs) It would probably... Were you ever attracted to the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Like, they had abs, didn't they? I wasn't ever about that. Like, you could set that to Pony. Hmm. I... (laughs) 
See, thought provoking. These. <laughs> okay, wait, but you have to answer one of them too. Which which one would you prefer to answer? Um, I guess I'll answer the memories one too. I don't. I want. I would want to, but I don't think I could because there's something like broken in my brain where I would just go to the worst memory. <laughs> Oh, no, and, I, I really don't think I would have a strong compulsion to revisit bad memories. Really? I mm-hmm. I I just know I would. I don't know why. But the other thing is, I think I would, it would be so painful for me to watch videos of like my teenage self. I, I don't even know if I could. You don't think you'd have empathy as an adult? Maybe. That's a good point. Maybe it would be very like healing. Maybe. Okay. I'm not trying to force you to change your answer. No, I mean, it's it's a it's a good question, I think, because part of me says yes and part of me says no, kind of for the reasons you said yes. And I also just don't trust myself not to hurt my own feelings somehow. But that's fair. You tell us in the Facebook group what you would do. Well, let's take another ad break before we come back for a few more things. In case you are looking for a new podcast to love, I want to tell you about one of my favorites, which is called A Thing or Two with Claire and Erica and is hosted by best friends and business partners, Claire Mazer and Erica Cerullo. They talk about everything from shopping and cooking to tougher topics like what to expect during menopause and deciding to have or not have children. It's the perfect mix of light and real. Like our podcast, theirs has been around for years, and it can be intimidating to jump into a podcast with a big back catalog. But I assure you, you can really start anywhere with a thing or two. And a lot of their episodes are a grab bag, kind of like these three things episodes. Uh, they recently had an episode where they discussed how there are uh, Hagen dazs ice cream people, and then there are Ben and Jerry's people. Like, there are people that really like their heavy-duty mix-ins. And anyway, it was honestly very eye-opening. And um, for the record, I am... Definitely a Ben and Jerry's person. Becca, what are you? I am too. That must be what brought us <laughs> together because I think they're both Hagen Dazs people and they are the slightly more put together, classier version of us. It's true. I literally couldn't wrap my mind around like choosing like a fancy ice cream or a Hagen Dazs over a Ben and Jerry's. Like, no way. Give me the giant no way. chunks of cookie dough. Anyway, no way. I still love so, them, despite our differences. We've heard from many of you, and I do agree, that our podcasts have a lot in common, but they're the Hagen dazs version to our Ben and Jerry's. <laughs> and also, if you're a parent, Claire has a toddler son, and she talks a lot about motherhood and has some of the best non-cheesy kids' clothing and toy racks. So if you're feeling like motherhood is missing from our podcast, you should definitely check theirs out. They do such a great job with shopping picks as well. They used to own a company called Of A Kind that stocked artisan gifts like jewelry, office products, home accessories. So they're incredibly in the know when it comes to who is making the best of the best from bath towels to baby gifts to the perfect white t-shirt. If you're looking to add a new podcast to your lineup, give A Thing or Two with Claire and Erica a try. Again, that's A Thing or Two with Claire and Erica, and it's available wherever you're listening to this podcast. Becca, what is your next thing? Oh, my next thing is the lobster roll-off. Oh, yes, the roll-off. Okay, so I'm going to Maine this summer for a good chunk of July, most of July, honestly. And um, I'm staying uh, for part of the time with my friends Molly and Mike, and then uh, my aunt is going to be up there, and we're going to have like a little family vacation. Um, so anyway, I as I've been in Boston, I was talking to my friend Molly, who 
lives part in Boston and part in Maine. And we were talking about how her and her partner have done this thing called the lobster roll off before where they buy picked lobster meat and then they have kind of like a chopped style competition where they both make a lobster roll and then judge which is better. And so we decided that we're going to do this. And I think two of our other friends are going to come up too. So I think there's going to be like at least five entries into this. And um, I have an idea of what I'm going to make, but I'm I'm curious if, if you have ideas, if listeners have ideas. Um, I'm feeling pretty stressed about it, to be honest with you. Are you are you allowed to talk about what you're doing here? Yeah, yeah. I okay. mean, I I'm giving away a competitive edge if any of them are listening, uh, but That's I true. don't think any of them regularly listen to this podcast, so I feel pretty safe. Also, I'm a terrible secret keeper when it comes to low stakes <laughs> things like this, so I would probably tell them in a heartbeat. So, are you thinking hot or cold? Um, I'm thinking cold. I tend to prefer a cold mm. lobster roll. Okay. When I put this on Instagram, everyone was like, make the eventide brown butter lobster roll, which is delicious, so but good. I feel like requires specialty ingredients in terms of the bread that is not available mm. in like inland mid-coast Maine. True. Those are delicious though. Okay. Are you doing... The, so oh, then- wait. So you have to make a lobster roll and then you have to make a side. Did I say the side part? Oh, no, you didn't say the side, right? Yeah, you have to make like a coordinating Mm. side. Do you have... Okay, so what what are you planning? You're planning on doing cold. What what are you mixing in? I'm planning on doing cold. Okay, so I'm thinking of doing kind of like a Mexican-inspired theme. And so what I really want to do, and I need to like do more research on this, is maybe like emulsify jalapenos into the mayo to make it a slightly spicy jalapeno Mm. mayo. And then also put it on top of like a spicy slaw, something with like coleslaw mix with lime, maybe more jalapeno. I don't know, like some kind of like fish taco type slaw. Maybe some dill goes Mm. into the lobster meat mix too. And then I think the best we're going to do bread wise is hot dog buns. Like I think, you know, so definitely grill it with butter, like make it good. But I think like the closest grocery store to them is a place called Gowls, which sounds like an intestinal <laughs> disease. Like, this is not Are an artisanal... Sure a blacksmith shop? Like, <laughs> in a back row. Yeah, right? So, like, we don't... We have access to, like, regular groceries, not, like... What about Hawaiian rolls? Oh, that's mm-hmm. interesting. Just something to ponder. That's interesting. So that's what I was thinking for my main. And then for the side, I was thinking of doing some kind of, like, charred Mexican street yes. corn thing with again more mayo and like cotija cheese and cilantro unless you have any cilantro haters in the group Mm -hmm. yeah i don't care um that's that sounds great i was gonna suggest something corn based what would you make if you were participating hmm well now i'm on the hawaiian roll kind of thing i Mm. would i think i do cold um I mean, probably what you said, like a spicy mayo, maybe with a Hawaiian roll, because then you have like the sort of spice and like the sweet of the roll. I mean, I'm kind of just copying you at this point. I've never made a lobster roll. I've never made lobster of any kind, actually. Um, Yeah. I'm very excited. I'm worried that I'm doing something too obvious. So my friend Elizabeth also is planning to make a spicy inspired lobster roll, but she's a terrible cook, which I feel comfortable <laughs> saying and that she would agree with. So I don't feel like she poses a ton of competition, but I'm I'm worried about Molly and Mike. You don't know anything about what they're doing. No, I know that last year she did something with like a red pepper aioli 
like a lobster roll. I think yours sounds better, to be honest. We'll see. I I would be very curious if people have uh, thoughts on this because you know I have I have a couple weeks to make a game plan. I think people are going to come am, through on the Facebook group. I have a feeling there's these are people who've had a lobster roll or four in their life. I am overly competitive, so I am. What do you get? Not you just win? playing for enjoyment. Nothing. Oh, Absolutely okay, nothing. Well, I, that's a mistake. There has to be something. Bragging rights. Okay. Well, that's good too. What's the last thing you brought? It's what your like list would be, your top choices for the surprise song if you were going to the Eras tour. Oh, okay. Um, and for those that don't know, Taylor Swift during the Eras tour, every single show, she has two songs that are different than every other set she's played at every other concert in the tour. So these can be any song from her entire career. The only exception is that she can do Midnight Songs twice because she's never played that album live before. So she's already gone through, I don't know, a lot. I have the list. What would yours be? So I really wanted Would Have, Could Have, Should Have, but that's already been played. Of course, that is a Midnight Song, so I I still have a chance. Um, And then of songs that haven't been played, my dream of all dreams would be Dear John. I mean, that was... It would be so cathartic to scream, I'm shining like fireworks over your sad, empty town, just amidst all these people screaming the same thing. However, I think that she's probably going to play that one on the concert of the day of the Speak Now Taylor's version release. Okay. So then my next choice would be Back to December. I think that also could be incredible. And then my third choice would be Better Than Revenge, but Joe Jonas makes an appearance and sings it with her oh (laughs) i've thought about this a lot i can tell and you're going in july boulder denver Denver. yeah yeah okay and i think it will be a speak now song so i think i do have a good shot of back to december or better than revenge because the album comes out the week before the taylor's version so fingers crossed okay tell me yours okay so I'm looking at the um, set list, and I mean, a, a lot of my favorites are on there. I'm I maybe among the more basic Taylor Swift fans. Okay, I have two that are coming to mind. So I am loving the new Vault track. You're losing me. Oh, I that. can't see her playing that because I feel like it's not even on Spotify. I mean, I would love that. I think she she could. I would love that. The other one, I don't know if she's played yet. Has she played New Romantics yet? I can tell you right now. No. I don't even know that one. New Romantics is a vault track off 1989, which I love. And I feel like if she ever does 1989 Taylor's version, that song is going to like go bonkers. It's so good. Olivia, please listen to it after we're done recording and like report back. Okay. See, Lover and 1989 are the albums I am least familiar with. So... I mean, I know them, but like, it's just not as, doesn't speak to me as much as some of the others. So I'm going to have to go listen. Please. To that. that is your homework. I'm actually going to make you listen to it with me on this Zoom when we wrap recording. Oh, great. <laughs> For copyright purposes, you listeners cannot be involved. Um, and then the other one is, okay, so my second book is called Tis the Damn Season, which is on the main set list. And it's kind of inspired by that song. But then there's another song that's, re- I've been, having a heavy rotation 
that I feel like is also heavy inspiration for my second book. And it's the song Eyes Open off of Red, mm-hmm. um, which apparently was on the Hunger Games soundtrack. So it like didn't it's it didn't really get a lot of play. Well, she just played a song from the Fifty Shades of Grey soundtrack of the last oh, I love that one. tour show. So anything is possible. Okay. D- deep cuts. I like it. Yeah, I feel like I only like the really basic stuff and like the deepest deep cuts. <laughs> it's a good balance. Yeah, yeah. It, it evens out. For my last thing, I want to talk about TV season finales. And I specifically want to talk about them because I feel like historically, we as a society have have been like throwing trash at the screen being like every season every series finale is like bad like i feel like historically like they haven't done a great job landing the plane with most series finales but i specifically thought the succession series finale and the ted lasso series finale were both great and i wanted to hear your thoughts so i only watched the succession finale because i haven't watched this most recent season of ted lasso um, but I really liked the succession finale. I actually watched, I had been behind, so I watched the last three episodes back to back to back to back. And that was just like a masterclass, I feel like, in writing and acting. And I talked to a lot of people that I think were disappointed with the finale because they expected something big and splashy to happen. But like, I n- never thought that that would happen. Although you were right. The android thing did prove to be true. Mm-hmm. Although they're all kind of the bad guy, <laughs> I think. But kudos to you, because that's that's impressive that you, you spotted that. That wasn't me. That was a TikTok I saw that I told you about. So I deserve... Well, I, I was skeptical, so I'm, I'm impressed. I loved the finale of it. I, I There were a few things in particular I loved. I loved that it had like a blend of levity and lightness along with the heaviness. Like, yeah. obviously, it ended... And they all got completely screwed. But I loved that scene when they were in Barbados or wherever they were, where they were like doing the uh, meal for a king thing and that you did get Mm -hmm. to see them like love each other and have fun, too. And it wasn't just all darkness. So I really liked that. And I do think I mean, I did kind of need it analyzed for me. I needed to read a lot of articles afterwards to be like, what what happened here? So maybe it was like a little above my head, but I do really appreciate that it was like all the characters who won were the outsiders, were the characters who yeah. had the least privilege. So like Willa got to ship her husband off to wherever he was going to be the ambassador of Slovenia or whatever. And she was she got Logan's apartment and she was bu- getting rid of all of his furniture to buy her like cow print couch, you know, that... Tom got to be the CEO that, you know, like Marsha and Carrie got to sit Mm -hmm. in the front row of the funeral, that it was like everyone who was the weaker characters came out better than they went in. Yeah, that's true. I saw something that was pointing out the parallels between Logan and Tom, how Mm. like they both came from kind of more humble backgrounds. They were both like abused by... Logan by his parents, I think, or his aunt and uncle, and then Tom by kind of like the Roy family as a whole, yeah. I think, <laughs> then ended up kind of being poisoned by it all mm-hmm. in a way, but but also having yeah. this success, which I thought which I thought was kind of interesting. Oh, cousin Greg um, was another winner. He got he got true. saved. Yeah, I don't think it would have been satisfying if Kendall or if any of the Roy siblings t- 
took the took the throne. The one part that when it happened, it kind of threw me out of the scene for a bit or the episode was when they were like, um, you killed a kid. You can't be. <laughs> but the more I look back on it, I actually think it's really funny in a way. Like, it's just it, it fits the show. But in the moment, I was like, oh, my God, like, I'm totally out of this scene and back two seasons ago. Like, I totally forgot that happened. But I guess that's kind of the point. But I thought it all worked as well. The one thing that like kind of irked me is I was getting really sick of the Gojo, the um, Alexander Skarsgård <laughs> plotline and like his character. And it all kind of ended up coming to like nothing. Like it was right. all kind of a ruse. Yeah. And I guess it needed to be there as a distraction. But I was like, oh, this got so much screen time to like not really have to much to do. Mm-hmm. with the ending yeah I agree I agree it was getting a little like repetitive yeah yeah but I I thought the ending was like fantastic I thought it was really satisfying and I felt like it wrapped up pretty much everything like there was there were no strings hanging that I was like well what about Willa like, you know like everything felt wrapped up enough for me yeah I'm fairly confident that the show would have gone off the rails very quickly had it not mm. ended. Like, I don't I don't know if I could have watched another season of the show because it was so miserable to me. Like, yeah. in terms of, like, just the rottenness of the people, it, it became really difficult for me to watch. So, yeah, I think it ended exactly like it should as well. Yeah. And then I know you said you didn't watch it, but the, um, the series finale of Ted Lasso was just, like, such a hug, such a heart warm. Um, I won't give any spoilers in case you do go back to watch the last season, which I think was really good. And I think there was like... I've heard mixed things. Oh, you know, I didn't like the first few episodes of it, of the season. I was like a little confused where it was going and I wasn't like totally in, but it, it found its footing in the second half of it. it. It definitely had weaker and stronger episodes, but I thought the last episode was really great and it was such a heartwarm. And I feel like there was just like a lot of, I don't know, like there was a lot of interesting overall character arcs from like the beginning of the first season to like the end of it that I was like, oh, I feel so fulfilled like even if it was more formulaic I was like oh I love this that's good that's that's satisfying you know what one I heard was not great but I didn't I didn't watch is um have you watched the marvelous Mrs. Maisel no I watched the first few episodes of this last season but that's it I haven't watched it and everyone always yells at me that I I in particular will like it and I need to watch it which makes me like more resistant no I haven't Oh my gosh. I have such fond memories of watching the first season of that show and just being like, this is a delight. It kind of went off a bit, but yeah, I think you'd like it. I, I'm sure I would. I'm being stubborn for no reason. Um, but I've <laughs> I heard that that one left a lot of um, loose threads hanging. I I read some comments that I, I saw similar things, but I'll have to watch it because that's I find that show very relaxing most of the time. It makes me... It makes me feel good. I mean, I guess that's the benefit of, you know, in prior eras of TV, you would have 22 episode seasons and you would have these like nine season shows that with shorter seasons, shorter shows, like you can actually wrap things up in a satisfactory way versus Sopranos where it's just like, right, fade to black. You say what it means. <laughs> yeah, I think we're in the era of um, less seasons on, on TV. Yeah, which yeah. And I think in good. both cases of Succession and Ted Lasso, the creators were the one to say that. They mm-hmm. were like, no, we've planned out the story to be this long and then it we're ending it. Yeah. Now I have nothing to watch, so. Well, soon you're going to have the next season of The Summer I Turned Pretty and that's just going to become 
that's going to become my whole personality. Oh, that's true. I am excited for that. <laughs> I am very excited for that. Let's get into some end matter. What have you brought for us on the obsession side? Um, I am obsessed with this Sol de Janeiro body spray, which I bought an impulse on Sephora. And first when I got it and I opened it, I was like, is this the one I ordered? Because it says pistachio and salted caramel on the front, which is not the body spray (laughs) scent I'm really going for. But then I sprayed it and I was like, oh my God, this is incredible. And it has notes of sandalwood, almond, jasmine. It is just Oh, it is so good. I just spray it on myself all the time now just to like smell myself. Body spray. So. The word body spray gives me PTSD back to Bath and Body Works. Oh. <laughs> it's um a lot of people I heard use it as perfume. Mm-hmm. It, it basically mm-hmm. is like perfume. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been using it as like a, if I just, I don't know, feel sad. <laughs> An antidepressant. <laughs> I feel like you could layer it over a lot of stuff, but oh my gosh, it's just, mm, it's so good. And I also think it'd be good in like summer, spring, fall, all all year round. So yeah. What's your obsession? So I know uh, a thing or two said that there are Haagen-Dazs people and Ben and Jerry's people. I would like to beg to differ because this week I have gotten to embrace my inner JP Licks person. And J.P. Licks is a local Boston ice cream store franchise. Oh, okay. And I think that they have a distinction of being one of the few places I've encountered that have coffee cookies and cream ice cream. So like coffee Mm. Oreo ice cream. That sounds delectable. Olivia, it's my favorite thing. I last night brought, I went out to dinner with my friend Elizabeth and then I got to go ice cream from JP Licks and brought it back to my hotel room and ate it while I was like naked in my bed. And I was so happy. (laughs) I was like, this is a peak moment. That sounds really good. I love a cookies and cream and a coffee. I love coffee Oreo. And I feel like not enough places make it. I like a mint Oreo. Oh yeah. Are you an anti-mint ice cream? No, I'm positive. I'm pro. Okay. I feel like people have very strong feelings about uh, mint ice cream, but I love it. Yeah, I'm pro. Um, Good. I'm glad we're on the same What page. about on the reading front? Uh, so I've actually been reading a lot this week, and I'm about to finish two books, one of which is our book club pick, um, but I haven't finished them, so I'll wait till I, I do to talk about them. Okay. But I, I want to hear about your book, because this has been something I've been meaning to read for a long time, and I just haven't picked up. So tell me about your book. So I read The Thursday Murder Club by Richard Osman which is a cozy mystery series, the first book of a cozy mystery series that is set in an English uh, retirement community. And the Thursday Murder Club, a group of septuagenarians and octogenarians who solve crimes. It was delightful. I am not really a cozy mystery person. I'm not like thriller person either. But my friend Natalie and I, uh, Natalie's a newer friend and she reads a lot too. And we've been trying to figure out what our book Venn diagram might be. She's a much more literary reader than I am. And she also likes a lot of very dark thriller and horror. And so we've been trying to figure out what our book Venn diagram is. And so I've been recommending a lot of books to her and she's been reading them and she's been recommending books to me. And I haven't been reading them because I've been doing so much research reading for my own book and for book club, et cetera. So I read this in service to her and I really, really enjoyed it. I think 
I've heard very good things. The writing is fantastic. Like it's multi POV. It moves really quickly. Like the mystery part is very fun. It's very quirky. Like I really, really enjoyed it. And I've also heard that this is the rare series. There's three books out. The fourth one comes out in September. And I've heard um, they just keep getting better. Oh, you know, I feel like I need to get into my cozy mystery era. I feel like I'm actually shocked you're not a cozy mystery person. There's something about you that like found one. I'm all about a cozy thing and a mystery. Like if you were Louise Penny's biggest fan, like nothing would surprise me less. (laughs) I've only read, I think, one of hers, but I'm going to I'm going to read this. one. I'm going to add it to my pile of nine. I know me too. Um, I really enjoyed it. I'm I'm definitely going to read the other two. Maybe not like back to back, but I'll I'll definitely pick them up. Mm -hmm. Great. With that. Next week, we have our June book club, which is Fourth Wing by Rebecca Yaros, which right now is only available in Kindle and audiobook because this book has gone so bonkers viral. Thanks to us, obviously. No, not at all. Thanks I will to be us. starting a bidding war for my hardback wow. copy that does have the dragons on the no, Wow. Um, <laughs> for a starting bid of $150. I did look I'm yesterday kidding. and it does seem like it comes back in stock on Amazon sometime in July. So if you're holding out, like you can always catch up with the episode, but oh, be on the ground floor of this fantasy series because the water's fine. It's very fun. I have a lot of thoughts that I'm bringing next week. Um, and then also we had been doing our voting for our July listener pick book club. And um, I said we'd leave voting open for a week. And so it's over now. In reality, it's only been a day. So I haven't I have an inkling of what's going to win based on what's in the lead now, but anything could change. <laughs> From where we're sitting, it looks like it's going to be same time next summer by Annabelle Monahan. But uh, I guess fact check me. Go to the Facebook group and look at the poll and see what has the most votes. Um, and we'll announce for sure next week. This is not a very helpful update, but I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> I think they'll get it. And then... If you want more of us, oh, come talk to us in the Facebook group about all of these things and tell us what celebrities we look like most of all. <laughs> uh, you can find us on Instagram at Bad on Paper Podcast. I'm on Instagram at Becca M. Freeman. I'm at Olivia Mentor. And we will see you next week for Dragon Book Club. Oh, I'm so excited. 